0: The following is a Westminster Seminary, California, morning devotion given by Dr. Dennis Johnson. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Join your hearts with mine in prayer. Father, We need Jesus, the bread of heaven. We need the living water that he gives. And we need the nourishment that he, your true vine, supplies to us his branches that we might be fruitful for your delight and for your glory. So feed us from your word today as we consider the reality that Jesus is the true and living vine who gives us life. We pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. text for this concluding devotion on the I am statements of Jesus in John's gospel is John chapter 15 verses 1 through 11. The gospel according to John chapter 15 beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is God's word. May he write it on our hearts as we reflect on it just in these few moments. well, we have seen that in Jesus I Am announcements about his identity, he Drew consistently on the imagery of the Old Testament, the imagery that Israel had heard through their ancient scriptures for so many centuries. And in some of those I am statements, the ancient scriptures imagery pointed ahead to the astonishing reality that Jesus of Nazareth is Emmanuel, God with us, the Word who was with God and is God and who became flesh. And dwelt among us so that in his face we beheld God's very glory. We think, for example, of Jesus' statements such as, I am the light of the world, more radiant than the glory cloud that Israel followed in the Exodus and in their liberation and in the dark and dangerous desert. We remember that Jesus announced himself as the good shepherd, fulfilling Ezekiel 34, the one who would love his sheep and lay down his life for the sheep, unlike dangerous wolves and delinquent hirelings. Other I am announcements uh, are those in which Jesus identifies himself as God's good gifts to us. He's the bread of life, better than the manna in the wilderness. He satisfies the deep hunger of our hearts. He's the resurrection and the life whose voice brought Lazarus' dead body to life and from the grave and whose voice summons our sin-dead hearts to eternal life. And he's the way and the truth and the life, the only avenue of access to God the Father. But in this last I am saying in John's Gospel, Jesus evokes Old, Tem- Old Testament imagery to ad- identify himself not as the Lord and not as the Lord's good gifts to us, but rather to identify himself with the Lord's people. When he says, I'm the true vine, the real vine, the genuine vine, he's saying, I'm the vine that produces a crop that delights the vine dresser, that delights the Father. And, of course, he's claiming to be the true vine over against some other vine which had not proved true. Now, everybody reclining at the table that evening knew exactly what that other vine was, the vine on which the Lord had lavished consummate horticultural skill and tender care. But that vine bore nothing but bitter grapes, small, shriveled, unfit to eat, unfit to crush For wine. Psalm 80, for example, sings Israel's story of Exodus and conquest and then exile, all in vineyard images. You brought out vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches, it sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then? Have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest savages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Why? The psalmist asked. Well, everybody around the table that evening knew the answer to that as well because they'd heard Isaiah sing the song of his beloved, Isaiah 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in it and hewed it out, a wine van in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, now the Lord says, judge between me and my vineyard. What more is there to do for my vineyard than I have not done for it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed." That line proved false, and judgment came. And yet the Old Testament vineyard songs also have a ray of hope. Back to Psalm 80 which closes with a plea, with a prayer for God to have mercy, God who is faithful, God who is merciful to people who don't deserve mercy and gives hope to people who don't deserve hope. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, this stalk that your, that your right hand planted, for the sun you made strong for yourself. They've burned it with fire. They've cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face, but let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you've made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. Strange twist at the end of that psalm. The vine, which obviously is Israel, an unfaithful people, suddenly becomes The son, in fact, the man of God's right hand, the son of man whom God makes strong for himself, the rescue of the king will be the rescue of his people. And it happens now in this night, just before Jesus is about to go to the cross, to be cut off in place of people like you and me who deserve to be cut off. He is the man of God's right hand. He's the real vine. He's the genuine article. He's the vine that brings joy to the vintner's heart because he produces the best of wines. So all the other I am's focus on benefits that flow from God to us, his people. Bread to satisfy our hunger, light to dispel our darkness, a shepherd to protect sheep at the cost of his own life, resurrection life, the way to pave the one who paved the way to the Father. But this one, Jesus identifies with us. In fact, he doesn't just identify with us. He unites us with himself. Because here we're portrayed not as really, ultimately, the consumers of God's grace, although there's much of grace that we receive here, but as the, the means of production to bring God delight. God the Father is the one who savors the flavor of the wine. And we are the branches that depend on the vine. The branches that bear grapes, that contain juice, that properly fermented, will bring a smile to the vintner's face. Now, of course, it's also true that Jesus is the Lord who came, as Isaiah promised in chapter 25, to make for all peoples a feast of well-aged wine, of wine well-refined, to destroy death and to replace sorrow with celebration. That's the point of Jesus' first sign in John's Gospel, chapter 2. He turns water into wine. He's the Lord who gives us wine and quenches our thirst, and that's probably what our hymn writer was thinking in that third verse. He nourishes us, he gives us joy. But here, Jesus is focusing on how the vine, he himself, nourishes us that we might give the Father joy, that we might give him delight. Because we're united vitally in Christ himself. Only because of that. His resurrection life by the Holy Spirit surges through us, into us. Because we rely upon him and beautiful fruit come. Beautiful fruit. Tasty fruit. Juicy fruit. Three themes, very briefly. Dependence, discipline, and delight. Dependence. The whole picture makes that so very clear. Jesus makes it very explicit in verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apartment from me. You can do nothing. Nothing. What an insult to our dignity. <laughs> what a put down to our self-discipline and our abilities and our intelligence and our educational achievement and our initiative and our endurance and our self-control and our drive and our charm and our people skills. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do absolutely nothing to produce fruit that pleases the Father. Jesus has chosen, well, the Word was the one who enacted the Father's agent of creation. Jesus created at the beginning the perfect analogy to demonstrate our utter dependence upon him for life and fruitfulness. What can a branch do if it's disconnected from the trunk of a vine, which in turn has its roots in rich soil, which receives life-giving moisture from heaven? The branch can do nothing. Over this last weekend, my wife and I visited my stepmom in Santa Barbara. then my brother and his wife up in the San Joaquin Valley. So on Friday afternoon, we drove through the blackened, still blackened hillsides that come right down to the ocean between Ventura and Santa Barbara. And then we turned inland. And yesterday we drove through the San Joaquin Valley, lush with bright green new growth on acres and acres of vineyards. What a stark contrast between death and life. Fruitless branches that drew no life from blackened, lifeless trunks and roots. That's what we saw on the coast. And then vines, now only about a few feet tall, but so lush with bright green. And we know later in the summer, heavy, heavy with juicy bunches of grapes. Not one branch who decides to go it alone, apart from its vine, will bear a single grape. For one simple reason, it's as dead as the blackened oaks that the fires destroyed. Jesus says we're like branches, we need Jesus for life. It's so obvious, yet we easily forget it, especially in in stress times. For example, the next 10 days until that (laughs) horrific due date, Dr. Fesco's creative email really brought you out today, despite that deadline. Good for you. Now, keep praying, because you need prayer. You need Jesus, right? How do we abide in Christ? When I was growing up, actually, this is one of the passages that uh, I was first encouraged to memorize. I memorized and I thought, what is abiding in Jesus about? Uh, We may think of it in terms of some kind of mystical chanting or going all passive or whatever. Jesus points to a way that's much less exotic. More ordinary, but because God designed it, it works. He says in verse 7 If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You hear that? Keep listening, let your words abide in me. And keep asking, keep expressing your dependence, and the Father will grant your request because you ask through me and in my name. Keep listening to Jesus' words. That's what all the Hebrew and Greek and New Testament, Old Testament, systematic theology, yes, even practical. That's what all this is about. Listen to Jesus' voice. Let his word dwell in you, live in you, saturate your mind and your heart in scripture. Stay in the word. And let Jesus' word stay in you. Through those words, God's spirit makes Christ's resurrection life flow like sap into you to make you alive and fruitful. And Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. Because the word is so saturated your heart, he's going to transform your wishes. Ask. Prayer, when we really mean it, when we think about what we're doing, is our most concrete way of saying, I'm dependent. I am utterly, absolutely dependent. I'm in way over my head. I'm in desperate need for my vine. God's vine, the son of man at God's right hand, to come to my rescue, to make my feeble efforts fruitful for the Father's pleasure. Dependence. Discipline. Discipline. Discipline is actually where Jesus begins his telling of this story of the vine here. He talks about the discipline of fruitless branches and of fruitful branches, both in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And he comes back to that theme in verse 6 when he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Those are troubling words. How can a branch that's in Jesus be so lifeless and fruitless that it's fit only to be burned? Is Jesus retracting the campaign promise that he made back in chapter 10 when he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I give them eternal life and no one, no one can cast them out of my hands? Is, is he saying, well, actually, there are some, there are some branches that are going to leave who've been vitally united to me. No, Jesus is not going back on that promise that his true sheep and, in fact, the branches that are truly, savingly, life-givingly united to him, the vine, will be secure forever. But he is acknowledging the reality that wolves sometimes come in sheep clothing, even in his inner circle, as he said to the disciples way back in chapter 6, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? As he himself had acknowledged this evening, when he sent the traitor out, get your betrayal over with. He knows full well that there are some branches that look like they belong, but they're not united to the vine, not by living faith, not by trusting faith. That happens in churches. The church is a mixed bag. The visible church, the church as we see it, composed of those who profess faith in Christ and their children, it's a mixed bag. Seminary community could be a mixed bag. I had fellow students who graduated with me from Westminster Seminary in 1973, who in the years afterwards left the faith without, it seems, a second thought. Jesus knows this well. He says, there are some who will laud me, Lord, Lord, but they refuse to do what he says. They look like branches, but there's no abiding in the vine. There's no depending, and so there's no fruit. Sobering. that kind of discipline. But the discipline of fruitful branches is also not so great. Well, at least we don't welcome it, right? He says, verse 2, again, the branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, actually. The same same word group is there. You are pruned uh, because of the word that I've spoken to you. Pruning to make you more fruitful. Preacher to the Hebrews speaks of it in terms of a father's discipline, of a legitimate son, a beloved son, a son that he welcomes. It's painful. It's not pleasant. But it shows that the father cares enough about you to give attention to you, to lavish the love that disciplines upon you, pruning that you might be more fruitful. In fact, Hebrews even switches over from the family metaphor to the farming metaphor, because Hebrews says all that discipline at the moment is not pleasant, but painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Jesus says, I will do that for you. I will prune you, and it won't feel good, but it will make you fruitful. Second Corinthians, Paul talks about the various afflictions that he encountered for Christ, and he says, this, those afflictions and the comfort that I receive." from God in those afflictions help me comfort others. I'm not sure where the pruning shears are cutting into you today. Probably, hmm, yeah. Too many pages to read and too few hours to read them. Too many pages to write and too few ideas to fill them, maybe. Uh, Too many bills and too few dollars. Your own or your family's health crisis or something else, it hurts. It hurts. But remember the vine dresser prunes you to make us more fruitful and Jesus says we need to process that by the word he says already you're pruned you're clean because of the words we need to take it back to the Lord and ask him to help us see through the word how the pruning will make us more fruitful but discipline is not Jesus final word his final word is a word of joy it's a word of delight Abiding in Jesus is abiding, he says, toward the end of our text here, verses 9 and 10, in his love. And abiding in his love becomes visible as we keep his commandments. And abiding in his love, verse 11, means abiding in his joy. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be fulfilled. Of course, ultimately, Jesus' aim is that those grapes produced by us his branches will glorify and please the vine dresser. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. It's ultimately for the Father's glory. But the vine pours his life into us not just to make us grape producing machines, not just to make us productive instruments. We're not just the means of production. He sends his life surging into his branches by his Spirit imparting his love and his joy for us. He fills us up with joy. By his nourishment, by his vitality, we become and do what we were created to be and to do. And as we give glory to the Father through the fruit that Jesus has produced, through the life he shared with us, his branches, we find joy. We do what we were made to do, nourished by his word and by his spirit, we really come into our own as branches enlivened by the real vine. We get to glorify and enjoy God forever. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for all that you have lavished on us in the gift of your beloved son. Bread for our hungry hearts, water for our thirsty hearts, light for our darkened hearts, a shepherd to protect us from the enemies, resurrection life, the way to you. And Father, thank you that in giving Jesus as the true vine who binds us to himself and enlivens us, you have enabled us to bear fruit that pleases you, fruit that delights your taste, fruit that gives you glory. Your grace is so abundant, so rich to us in Christ. Thank you that we come to you through him who had every right to say, I am, to take your covenant name on his own lips as his own identification. Thank you for Jesus, the I am. We pray in his name. Amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California